This podcast is brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organisation, Joy. Keep Joy on air by becoming a member, a subscriber or donate. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community. Welcome to another Joy 94.9 podcast. For hundreds of years, anthropologists have studied the social relationships of human beings. And none have been more confounding than what they call the different strokes effect. Get it? Meet Jade Gulliver, a charmingly low-maintenance, amicable sci-fi fan and avid podcaster. And David Lim, a top model strutting, goldfish-loving, walking jukebox. So... Can you handle the difference? Get ready for Difference Strokes. Give it takes, different strokes to move the world. Yes, it does, it takes different strokes to move the world. Hey, so this is kind of a weird Different Strokes podcast. We finished the show going on three weeks ago now, but I got called back in two weeks into my radio retirement to do an interview with one of my favourite bands of all time, Tegan and Sarah, and this is my chat with them. You, uh, you guys are pretty unapologetic about trying new ways to make music. Uh, at what point do you decide on what direction you're going to go with an album? I think we're lucky that there's not a ton of pressure on us from the people we work with, but also internally, like while we're touring and supporting a record... We kind of just enjoy it and think of the record as its own sort of little entity, its own little world. And um, after we finished touring Sainthood, we took quite a bit of time off. And I, I was writing quite a bit, but Sarah was taking more time just to relax and sort of kind of establish her life and, yeah. and reconnect with her life. And after probably maybe six months of being at home, we sat down and talked about what we wanted to do, like what goals we had, what places we hadn't been, what countries we wanted to tour, what kind of record we imagined. And we had some really wonderful talks with some people who work in our world and at our record company and lots of creative talks less about less about commercial music and more actually just about like when you close your eyes literally this was one of the things they asked us to do when you close your eyes and you imagine your audience what does it look like and it really pushed us to sort of say out loud some of the things we were dreaming that we'd been maybe too afraid or too awkward to say and, and out of that came heartthrob so you know we made a record that hopefully will be the soundtrack to all those dreams that we had when we closed our eyes and that really awesome but also kind of strangely awkward moment (laughs) (laughs) you said that you wanted this album to be a bit more commercial and mainstream no it's funny because i always thought that one of the coolest things about our project was that we weren't obsessed with being mainstream we weren't interested in what was happening on radio and not not in a snobby way just in a we were doing our own thing and And it worked yeah and it and we were like listening to lots of different kinds of music and we were sort of finding influence all over the place and and then what was coming out was i think i think anyways was like sort of a truly original voice and, and often wasn't what was happening in the mainstream. I think it's too easy to say, oh, we decided to make a pop record and we decided to do something that could be on radio. I think in a in a way, what actually is probably more true is that we saw that there was room in the mainstream and that we saw that things had changed in terms of like fidelity and songwriting and who was being represented in the mainstream. And we started to think like, oh, maybe we do fit. And, and it's less that we changed ourselves to meet the mainstream and more like we saw that the mainstream had broadened enough that we could be included in it. I know that personally for me, I'm interested in Alicia Keys as much as I'm interested in James Blake or like I'm interested in what's 
happening on cable TV as much as I'm interested in what's happening on like avant-garde series that only like you know a small percentage of the population is watching like I think that having an interest in a lot of different things means that you you know what you're what you're doing is truly original so I'm interested in pop pop music right now and I'm like interested in the kind of album that we just made but I never want to feel like Tegan and I can't try new things or change or you know develop or whatever and if Tegan hadn't come to me and wanted to make a metal record and I didn't want to do that I really still feel like we would be able to expand the parameters or parameters of our band sonically to include both of our visions and you know the collaboration of those two ideas will always be welcome in the band and thankfully we just were closer probably in alignment about you know what we wanted to accomplish with this with this record yeah. having said that I got a text from a friend of mine the other day who just loves pop music he only listens to like <laughs> uh, he listens to like Pink and Kelly Clarkson and all of that and he was just gushing about Heartthrob and uh, he says it's one of the best pop albums he's ever heard wow that's that's very cool I think that's a really neat part is that I think we actually set out to just make a really great record you know the things we were actually saying we actually never use the word pop we mm. always just use the word we want to make a classic Tegan and Sarah record possibly the classic Tegan and Sarah record the record that people will say looking back like that was the record the con has been that record to date for us and mm. and I don't want to bump the con out but when I listen to the con I still hear two 25 year olds you know mm. and I think that Sarah and I's career isn't over just because we're in our 30s and I think we can still make great music and this record's proven we can. Mm-hmm. I'm glad that people love it so much and they're calling it pop. <clears throat> I think we've always been pop though. Yeah. So so for us it's more just I keep hearing we did a good job like we wrote songs you know, diehard fans that travel around and follow us all the time, they've been really making me laugh because they've been like, man, like I, I thought there was no possible way you could make a record that I would love more than The Con, but they're starting yeah. to come around. They're like, oh man, how come yeah. you don't want me? I don't know. That song is pretty epic. And I'm like, okay, great. You know, and I think that that's, that we did a job and, and I think we did it well. You yeah. know, all the other stuff will fall away over time, but the record will last forever, you know, and I think we poured our heart and soul into it and it shows, so. Have you been finding that with every record that you do, though? Because, I, I mean, I remember having people talk to me, you know, and saying, oh, I love Arrow, for example, yeah. of, of Sainthood, and then, you know, the con's obviously really huge. Yeah. But it seems like with every album, there's like a new demographic that's coming in. If there wasn't, you know, I think that we would be doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, I think, you know, I'm a great example of a bad fan. I'm, I'm a good example of someone who latches onto a band, really likes a record, and then will just like get amnesia and just forget about them. And then like think like five years later, like almost like I left my baby at the supermarket. Like I'll be like, I can't believe I completely forgot my baby at the supermarket. I don't yeah. even remember the name of the band, the name of the record. I'm a very fickle sort of fair weather person when it comes to music. So this is, I think, part of why I'm so terrified not to do something that will engage both the audience that we already have and potentially new fans. I'm really afraid to get comfortable and it's probably a little bit of like child of divorce syndrome like afraid that everything's going to change overnight but I think if Tegan and I weren't if we weren't thinking to ourselves oh my god we have to make the next best record every single time we made a record I think that we wouldn't have a career after you know ten and a half years I just don't I just don't think that we would have the audience I don't it's not that I can't count on them but like I'm a great example of somebody who just like just got distracted and then forgot about you you know like and so I'm not I thankfully we have some fans who've been with us and dedicated and very, very interested all the way along. But I don't think that that's actually indicative of most people. So, you know, we almost start each record as if we have to start from scratch. And that's exciting and it's really challenging. And there's nothing worse than having to break up with some with a band or someone sure. that you've loved oh for a God. long time. I know. But people do. I mean, yeah. like, people have been coming up to us actually and saying, like, where have you guys been? Like, it's almost like they, we sort of, like, disappeared for a lot of people for some albums. And I think that that's just more about where they were at or the age group mm-hmm. or yeah. whatever. But we've also been seeing what I think is really interesting 
interesting is now that we're in our 30s, what inspired me and the kind of community and culture that I was interested in, you know, really got spiked and interested, interesting when I was in my late teens and early 20s. That's when I remember becoming very engaged in the music scene and going to see shows and culture and reading and discovering things and not nothing against the people who are in their late 20s and early 30s who like our band, but I want to make sure that we're as engaging and interesting for those people in their late teens and early 20s as you know, I don't know, Peaches and Arcade Fire and and all the bands that I was interested in in my early 20s. Like, I want to make sure that we're still interesting to those people, too. Yeah. Not just old people like us and like you. <laughs> yes, <Yeah, just> <laughs> And Scully. You talk about a lot about how you don't like to write much about the positive sides of relationships. Why is that? And what is it about breakups that are so good to write about? Well, it's funny when we started writing Heartthrobs, Sarah actually told me that I wasn't allowed to write any sad, heartbroken songs because I'm not sad or heartbroken. Though my response was writing closer, which is the opposite. You yeah. know, it is about that spark, that moment when you first meet somebody. And I actually really enjoyed writing about the lighter side. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the same for Drove Me Wild. I mean, I think actually three of my five contributions to the record were a, a romantic looks back, you know, very nostalgic. Looks back, looks back at. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> at romantic relationships and I really enjoyed it actually it makes me feel really fun when I get to sing those songs on stage maybe just because they juxtapose really well with Sarah's material on the record which is a lot more heavy and a lot more emotional that when I get up there to sing backgrounds on how come you don't want me or shocked your system and I'm screaming like what you are is lonely it feels like exciting and but then when it comes to my songs, I don't feel like I need to purge as much. So mm-hmm. I, I feel like the record actually really balances well. And I don't know that we didn't like writing about love. I just don't know that when you're happy and in love that you feel very inspired to write. Yeah. It's actually probably more less about the content or the experience and much more to just do with the fact that when I'm really happy and love, the last thing I want to do is sit alone <laughs> in my closet and write a song about it. I'm, I'm out experiencing my life and my love. So, But I also am very motivated when I'm in a happy state too. So, you know, it's finding a balance. Like, you know, but it's interesting. It's like why we don't write big political songs. We're super political people, but I think sometimes there's undertones of, you know, our social and political beliefs in Mm -hmm. our songs. Mm -hmm. Obviously, over our whole history, we could go through and pick probably on every record. There's, I mean, I wrote two songs on the last record that were about poverty, the absolute, like, lack of interest we have in people who have less than us. But nobody talked about that. They were just like, Tina Zero wrote another record of love songs. So I was like, we hear what we want to hear. Yeah. I could tell you I wrote this song about toe fungus, and you'd still hear what you want to hear, which is just a bunch of songs about love. You know? Yeah. But, you know, I think, too, <laughs> and like, love and, and breakups, like, are, there's a parallel with birth and death. Like, what's more interesting? The thing that we choose to do, the, like, procreate, we're very in control of that function, and death is going to always be sort of mystical and out of our control and terrifying because we don't really get to choose it and we don't really know what happens after it. Those words you just used to describe death, that's what I would apply to people who have babies. Right. Well, fair enough. Well, maybe then that's terrifying why Terrifying and out of control. But I think but you choose to procreate. You choose to have the baby. It's like, it's, you know, and it's I think that, you know, for me anyways, like what's interesting about love is is the parts that we don't control and the things yeah. that sort of swing out of our control. And when I think about falling in love, there's very much a choice involved in, in deciding to get involved with somebody and, and whatever. And it's just it's always going to be much more interesting and complex to talk about the things and (laughs) deconstruct the things that are out of our control what song of each other's is your favorite and why off the new record i'll go with complete catalog (laughs) okay well i'm gonna i'm personally gonna make the choice to narrow it down to heartthrob because we have like 900 songs so 
Um, I definitely feel like from this record, like I really, really, really feel like Now I'm All Messed Up has been like the surprise hit of the summer. It came to theaters, it was only in like small theaters, but now it's like in massive release, you know, it won Oscars and now they're re-releasing it and it's on Blu-ray this Tuesday. You know what I mean? Like and you're the fans... a director commentary. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's just, I don't know, it's, it's one of those songs where like in demo form I thought it was beautiful, but it was super stripped down to Sarah and a piano basically. And then in the studio, I thought it was just massive and big, but I actually secretly was like, maybe it's 30 seconds too long. So finally, at the end of mixing, I said that, and Sarah and our producer, Greg, nearly tore my head right off my body. And then we sequenced the record, and I thought to myself, yeah, that's at the end of the record. It's, you know, it's, a, it's an album track. Mm -hmm. But then we chose to play it live first before the record even came out because we really loved the song. I mean, I, st I still loved it. Sarah loved it. And we thought that it would show the real depth to this record. Like, mm -hmm. you know, because we put out closer, we wanted to show the, the diehard Tegan and Sarah fans that there was some real depth to the record. From night number one, every time we played that song, like, but like halfway through, people were fists in the air, screaming, go. I mean, Sarah was like throwing it down. Yeah. We got a standing ovation in the middle of the set. I was like, okay, so I should never be an A&R or choose what's on the <laughs> record. So, so that one just every night, it still really shocks me. People just, it really is the great uniter. Mm -hmm. We've opened for the Black Keys with it, the Killers, like, and people who weren't paying attention, their focus comes to us at some point during that song. It's just, I think, a really good song. Sarah. Sarah. I'm going to go with something that's not on this record. Call it off. Just because I think it's it's such an understated song, but it's like just a truly great composition, and I think it's got classic lyric. It'll never get... It's just never going to get old. It's, it's going to age really well, and it's just... It's a really beautiful song, and it can be stripped down just to a voice and a guitar, and it just... It's, it's very impactful, and... I wanted to just talk a little bit about the change in diversity of content that you seem to have to have to bring out now when you're bringing out music. Like you guys, you know, obviously did the heartthrob interviews, and in the past, you on the con, you had all of those. Of how much thought are you putting into those things, and how involved are you in that? Or are you just like, all oh, right, well, we started doing it, now we have to do it? Is it? I mean, at the at that time, like during the con, yeah, it was like the way we could communicate with our audience. We, you know, yeah. we, we weren't the band that we are now where there's a, you know, there's a lot of coverage, we get a lot of media, you mm -hmm. know, like there's like, there's sort of like a, a natural sort of dialogue that's happening with the audience, I guess. But back then it was like, we wanted, we wanted to provide content that was made, made by and sort of like, I'm controlled by us, mm -hmm. you know, controlling the message was important and we wanted people to like get to know us as a band and as people. So we talked about it all the time. We, we bought our own equipment. I remember we were like, we bought like a really fancy camera, these lights and we were like, we're going to broadcast ourselves, you know? And, uh, now that we can sort of rely or count on the media a little bit more, I think that we, there's less emphasis on that. Thanks for listening to another joy podcast brought to you by Australia's LGBTQIA plus community media organization, joy. Help us keep joy on air. Head to joy.org.au. Joy, a diverse sound for a diverse community.